0: Hey Jim, we're really happy to have you here on the View from Thirty Two, the 1932 Criterion Theater podcast. Um, hope you're doing well. We're really uh, glad to have you here.
1: I'm doing great, Taylor. Thanks good. for having me. Good.
0: That's it. we we had our first episode last week with Bobby, and it was it went well. She's great, and we had a lot of fun. And we're really happy that you, that you you know are taking some time to be here with us. We really appreciate it, and we can't wait to hear what you have to say and hear you play some songs. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Good. Good. Have you? Um, Been trying to stay busy with this whole coronavirus thing going on.
1: Uh, Yeah, this this crazy uh, pandemic. I've actually been uh, as busy as I ever am, and and, uh, I'm fortunate to uh, have a career and and work Mm. here at. uh, uh, I'm a a scientist. Work at the Mount Desert Island Biological Laboratory, and and, uh, work has continued. I've been doing a lot of work at home, but a lot of what I can do, fortunately, I can do at home. Yeah. and um, so, yeah, busy, busy with work and uh, playing music as well.
0: Good, I'm so just not out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no one is really. It's 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 a crazy time for musicians, especially. Um, so you're a scientist. Yep. And you're a musician. Yep. Um, so busy guy probably. Yep. Uh, who do you play with around town? Are you a solo? You have a band?
1: So I'm in a in a couple of different bands. Okay. Um, I, right now, the main one is is my band, Band from Eden. Um, we actually have a CD um, that uh, came out in February. So Band awesome. from Eden is uh, me and Russell Snyder and Jeff Walls, um, rock trio. And uh, I've been I've been playing with Russell since 2006, and and Russell and Jeff have been playing together forever. Uh, Jeff's been in the band for. I think three years now okay. uh, as a nice. bass player. Um, so yeah, we, we just made the CD, um, recorded it here in Bar Harbor, Hungry Goat Studios, with uh, John Kurgan as engineer and, and pro- co-producer. Uh, really happy about it uh, and got all excited about the release and we had big plans for playing out and having a couple release uh, party uh Uh, Shows in Bar Harbor and Franklin in late March and that all got canceled. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, It's, it's a, it's a hard time right now for musicians. And I know that uh, last week when we were chatting with Bobby, she had mentioned that 77, 78,000 musicians are out of work now based on due, due to COVID. And it's, it's really sad because a lot of these people, you know, they might not get it back. Who knows when we'll be, when we'll be doing live shows again, hopefully 2021, but you, you never yeah, know we're gonna
1: have to adapt somehow yeah um, it, but it's been really hard on musicians and performing mm-hmm. artists of, of all kinds and, yeah uh, it, it's terrible
0: it uh, is and you said uh, you've been staying busy you know with music and trying to record and write and
1: yeah so, yes I've been doing recording at home um, and I've actually been collaborating with other musicians online with recording that's the beauty of yeah. uh, modern technology you can send wave files back and forth and, and yep. actually put together uh, nice recordings. exactly so you a
0: pro tools guy no uh
1: i'm not i'm i'm a bit of a, uh, a dinosaur when it comes to technology so whatever is easy is what i like gotcha um, i recently purchased um uh, something called aspire studio okay which it's a little eight track thing that uh makes it real easy to collaborate nice And you can just use your iphone to to record that's perfect with that and uh so that that's working for me right now
0: cool cool well obviously you know the whole coronavirus thing hasn't affected your creativity too much um it's no
1: it, in some ways it's uh stimulated it i've yeah i've written some songs during the pandemic so
0: good um, good well we'd uh i know i'm anxious to hear some of them so I might play one okay good yeah we'd love to hear it love to hear it um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you said you're, you work at the MDI, uh, biological laboratory yep. and, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about, bit about your work, about yourself. What do you, what are you up so to? So
1: I'm a, I'm a developmental biologist. Um, I've been doing this for, oh, over 20, oh, so I, I got my PhD in 1990. So that, what's that? 30 years ago. Yeah. Um. So it's a long time. Um, I've been uh, on MDI at the BioLab since 2005. OK. Um, f- as a developmental biologist, I'm interested in um, how things come to be, how we mm. each come to be from a s- single cell and, right. and how that whole process unfolds and how it's regulated by genes and right. and uh, and how it's affected by the environment. And gotcha. that's what I've been uh, studying for a long time. Um, you know, for a long time, I was working with sea urchin embryos. as kind of a model organism. Okay. Uh, they're very accessible and uh, uh, relatively simple. Yet they do things in a lot of the same ways that okay. uh, in development to, that that we do. So we can learn a lot about just basic okay uh, developmental processes. Yeah, I was going to
0: ask you how you landed on sea urchins. Is it
1: well in graduate school, uh, and they've been a model organism for uh, embryogenesis, early development. Okay. Uh, really since the field began in the late know. 19th century. So um, I was involved in the sea urchin genome project when I first came here, okay. and um, the sequencing of uh, uh, West Coast sea urchin uh, genome. Uh, about five or six years ago, I switched model organisms to zebrafish to, to study what we're working on now, which is, is, is a really interesting project, which is looking at how early life stress um, mm. uh, chronic stress in very early life and early development affects physiology and and kind of susceptibility
2: to disease.
0: Okay, so when life. you say when you say early life, you, you're talking like infants, toddlers, or more yeah, adolescent years? Yes,
1: that and and even earlier, even in in utero. Okay, uh, as uh, during embryonic and fetal development. Oh wow! So if, if you have a, a mother who's chronically stressed, who's um, got Really adverse circumstances, mm. um, uh, and
0: that can, actually, that can actually affect
1: development. Oh wow! And 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 the way that it one way that it can affect development is is there, there's a stress hormone. we think of it as a stress hormone, it's mm. actually more than that. Called cortisol, which right probably heard of. Yes, and when you're chronically stressed, if you're if you're have high levels of stress or trauma, your cortisol levels go up. Right, and, and it's a it's a steroid, so it's sure. biologically active and And uh, it will go through the placenta into the uterus and and affect development. And we don't really understand how it's affecting development, but what we do know from the epidemiology is that Mm. um, people who were, um, uh, whose mother might have been chronically stressed when she was pregnant, say uh, mothers in war zones, for example. Right. they grow up and they tend to be more susceptible to a lot of diseases
0: that uh, yeah that, I was uh, gonna ask what uh, what what have you found you know from that early stress is there anything that you know comes forward disease-wise there's in an adult? a
1: whole wide range of diseases that are associated with that and a lot yeah. of them are, are diseases of, of kind of inflammation okay you know things ranging from asthma to um, um, Metabolic diseases like diabetes.
0: Okay, so more like underlying chronic diseases. chronic diseases. Chronic
1: diseases, yeah. things that diseases. They, a lot of them manifest later in life as you get older, mm-hmm. um, and so the diseases of aging, degenerative diseases, things like, you know, Alzheimer's, and and another thing that is very commonly associated with these early life stressors is is um, mental illness. The so things right. like major depression. Right,
0: which and, is and, I mean a major problem right now.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and the scary thing is some of these things can get passed through generations, multiple generations. Yeah. So you might, your grandmother or you know, grandparents might have had a lot of stress. And, and, um, and then epigenetic, uh, that can cause epigenetic changes that affect uh, the health of of multiple generations. Yeah. So, so we know that that's the case, but we don't understand how it works. And that's, that's where our research comes in. So we're using zebrafish as a kind of a model organism to try and get it. What are the genes that are uh, mediating these effects uh, and, and how are they doing it? You know, ultimately you might be able to design interventions. Yeah. Uh, although I got to say, we already know what the some of the good interventions are that will kind of remediate
0: these. That was going to be my next question. Do you have anything, you know, any advice for somebody that well, to, to try and keep stress levels down? I know I've heard, you know, make sure you're getting enough sleep, make sure that you, you know, are eating the right foods. But is there anything that you would, that in your research that you found would, you know, help?
1: You know, our research is really. Um, kind of getting at the mechanisms, we're trying to understand okay. how it works. But we already know from from just studies that have already been done sure. uh, by others that one of the best ways to mitigate the uh, unhealthy effects of these this chronic stress is through strong social support. So gotcha. family support. Uh, so coronavirus social, isn't great for that. <laughs> no, it's terrible. Yeah, social support is 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 like the antidote to psychosocial stress strong social support networks mm. and which is you know when you think about it where those things are going away too
0: right so true. a
1: lot of the psychosocial stress is just from uncertainty and uh, uh you know not having the support you need yeah so
0: well and then you get on you know you're you're sitting in your house trying to you know stay safe and you're scrolling social media seeing all <laughs> this garbage and you just you can't get away from it and yeah. honestly that's probably worse than sitting in the quiet <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I
1: think Facebook has is, is become a kind of a toxic place. Oh,
0: <laughs> it totally has, and it's it's too bad because it is a great way to connect with people that you know you may have went to college with or. Absolutely. Uh, I
1: mean, I'm, that's why I'm still on it. I, yeah. I've got friends that I lost touch with that I've reconnected yeah. with. Yeah,
0: it's a really cool thing, but like you said, it's just you can't scroll two or three posts without seeing something that is just. And I
1: got to say, I'm I'm guilty of. of venting on Facebook. Hey, it and,
0: happens, yeah. you know, <laughs> it happens. It's there, it's easy. And especially now because everyone's in lockdown you got more time to think and more yeah. time to, more time to talk yeah. about stuff. But, but
1: I, I would say another thing that I've found just from personal experience is what best stress mitigator is yeah. music.
0: And, uh, yeah, and music I agree. is
1: good medicine for a lot of things. It, and, it really uh, is. So that's, that's one of the things that I do.
0: It really is. Yeah, I know. I, lean more towards the introverted side of things where, you know, I I can relate a party, (laughs) a party. (laughs) I'm usually in, you know, in the corner, like on my phone. Well, Um, you know,
1: when this whole thing started, it, 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 you know, I, in some ways it didn't bother me. Yeah. It's like I've been social distancing for 30 years,
0: (laughs) so it's fine. Yeah. I totally get it. Um, but that's really interesting. And that's, it must be a really fun career to, to be in, to be learning things about humans and, and, it, and is. Stress levels. it is. And, I
1: love research. It's you know we're hmm. learning new things, and, and and you know that's the thing about science. Um, it, it, it never ends. You know, right? Oh, totally. It, every time you answer a question in science, it raises new questions. So science, there's there's a book that I like. Um, to promote uh, is written by a guy named Stuart Firestein, who's at uh, I believe at, at Columbia. He's a neuroscientist, okay, and uh, and an improv actor. Actually, that's oh, how wow. he started his career. All right, but he wrote this little book called Ignorance: How It Drives Science, and, and the whole point of it is, you know, people think science is all about accumulating knowledge, as if there's a body of knowledge that mm. someday we will know everything, and and that's just not possible. <sighs> no, it is not. And actually, his point is that science is all about addressing ignorance and and embracing ignorance, but then refining it. So every time you have a question, you address that question, and science allows you to find out something Mm. to answer it, but then that raises new questions. Exactly. So never branching.
0: It's true. uh, You find the answer to one question, then you have three more. That's right,
1: and they're they're more refined. You know something more. You have a deeper insight into mm. nature, but then that raises new questions that take you even deeper.
0: Yeah, well, and it it blows my mind, because I'm not a super smart guy, and you look at the research that's already been done by, you know, the generation now and the previous generations. It's amazing what we've discovered. Yeah. And it, it, it's, I see, you know, these intricate details of the human body and it's like, I don't even know how these people find this stuff out. But I mean, you're on the front line of this research and it's just really cool to hear what you're working on. And
1: yeah. it I mean, the, the way that we do is is through technology. So yeah. science depends on technology and the technology is just getting so amazing now with it computers. It is. I'll tell you what gives me hope for the future because sometimes it's it's hard to come by but we have students uh, undergraduate and even high school students coming to the lab every summer and this summer we had to cancel our summer Ah. program uh on site but we were able to carry it on because through remote research and so we have a cohort of students I was just on a zoom this morning with them and they're working with these huge amount of data that we've produced that's uh, so cool in the past uh, which we haven't adequately analyzed And yeah. uh, these kids are so smart I mean mm. they're you know a lot smarter than I am and so and, and they're they're getting better all the time and this is how I feel every every summer with our students is okay we're in good hands as long as, as we can provide these opportunities exactly and so forth,
0: so. Well, that's really cool. Now, I, I don't personally know uh, too many scientists. To be honest with you, how does, how does being a scientist correlate with music? Do, are there many scientists <laughs> who are musicians, or? Are you kind of a rare find?
1: No, actually you'd be amazed that, that there are a lot of scientists who are musicians okay. or, or, scientists and artists.
0: Okay. Way to deal with the stress.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you a very famous example. Uh, Francis Collins is the director of the national institutes of health. Okay. And he's a musician. He's a guitar player and singer. All right. Quite, pretty accomplished. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And, and I, I've got an old friend who I went to graduate school with, mm. um, uh, I went to graduate school at Duke and um, my friend Kurt Steger who's at Paul Smith's College a professor at Paul Smith's College in New York is a musician and he and I played music together when we were in graduate school That's so cool. and and, uh, and he kind of combines his, his music and his science
0: so and, uh, in terms of approaching it because when I you know when I'm writing or recording it I kind of approach it from a more of a creativity standpoint, but some some musicians approach it from a mathematical standpoint, and and it's it's very you know it's kind of like a formula. Do you do you approach it one way or another, or is it just a really I, nice creative outlet for you? I, I do both.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm, I've got a kind of an analytical mind, and sure. And so, you know, I. A lot of it's intuitive, and i, I work with what I have I, you know i'm i 'm not a classically trained musician, sure, although I did you know start early in the school system, so I got to give a shout out to school music programs which, oh absolutely uh, and and that 's one of the beautiful things about being on mDI It's mm-hmm. such a great program uh, here there there at the is high school and, and also in the, uh, the the grade schools and, there is and so yeah, I, I
0: came up in in middle school and high school here and uh, graduated from MDI High School, and it's yeah. It's, there's really great opportunities for kids that want to get involved with music, yeah. where that, that don't exist in other places. And we're really fortunate.
1: We are. So, so I, I approach it in both ways. I, I, you know, I have things. So some of my songs actually deal with science and the okay. lyrics that I put it in, and then, um, you know, the analytical side is I, I really like uh, odd rhythms, odd okay. time signatures, and so forth. So, so it all goes back to, you know, at least I got that foundation when I was coming up through school. I know mm-hmm. enough music theory that I can approach it right. from that analytical side and right. then combine it with just the more creative uh, aspect of um, in whatever's inspiring me at the time.
0: Exactly. Cool. Um, is there anything that you've got that you're looking forward to in, in this year or next year? You got anything on the horizon in terms of... What you want to do i know you have your, your cd with with your band uh, any launch parties or delayed launch parties i guess oh, at this point oh
1: gosh well um yeah i don't know i mean we're the band from eden is we're starting to play out a little bit we're not playing indoors but there are outdoor okay. gigs nice uh, that we can play any and coming
0: and up that you can give a shout out to so there's people can come one see coming
1: it. up um in franklin maine um On the 29th, I believe, is a Saturday. Okay. It's going to be from 4 to 8. So there's a place we've been playing for a long time in Franklin called the Franklin Veterans Club. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, And we've been playing there. We were kind of the house band there for a few years starting back in, I think we started playing there in 2013. Um, And then we, you know, we were doing an open mic and then. Uh, that's where we were gonna have our CD release in March and then okay. that got canceled but but now they're gonna be doing some outdoor stuff. awesome uh, so we'll be there on the 29th.
0: Awesome so people can come see you there.
1: Uh, yeah We'd, we would love to do um, something live on Facebook at some point.
0: Gotcha and, yeah. yeah well we we're gonna let's chat after this because okay. we're gonna we're gonna do some live we're gonna set the, the whole stage up like a concert and do a full-on live production shoot it with our camera package. And stream it on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, do awesome. all that. So yeah, let's let's chat because you could be our debut live performance. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun.
1: Oh man, we'd love that.
0: Cool. Um, so you, how long have you been doing shows? How long have you been playing out? I know you've been playing music for a long time, but have you been doing it professionally, quote unquote, professionally well, for a while?
1: Yeah, I have. I you know most of my life. I I would say my first professional gig. Was when I was in high school. So I, I lived in Switzerland for a couple of years. Oh, wow. So I've, I've been around. Okay. Uh, and and so what? I, I moved to Switzerland in 1974 with my family. I was uh, uh, there for two years in outside of Zurich. And I played in um, so I'm a trombone player is my first instrument. Okay. That's what I played in school Very bands nice. and stuff. My dad was a trombone player, so I started, he even started me out before I started school. So when I was in, in uh, Adlersville, Switzerland, was the town I lived in, there was a band called the Jungenspiel, which is like the youth band, and we were like okay. a town band, and, and we played in local festivals and stuff. Well, there was a little offshoot of that band, with the director had, which was kind of a Jazz, jazz, Dixieland, polka band, okay, and we actually went around, drove around uh, Switzerland, went to little beer gardens and stuff up <laughs> nice. in the Alps, and uh, played. And they'd put us up and feed us. And not you know, many
0: people can say that they've done that. No, that's pretty it was cool. Awesome.
1: So that was that was my first professional. You know. All
0: right, I love it. And that's then, that's uh, cool.
1: And then I you know I started playing mandolin when I was 15 and uh, uh, self-taught on that. And then when I was in college, I started playing with bands and, and nice. gigs and stuff.
0: So, who are your, if you had to, you know, give one or a couple, who are your influences musically? Who, who do you love? Who do you get inspired by?
1: <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. Um, on mandolin, I, I would say uh, Sam Bush and the New Grass Revival was okay. a big influence. David Grisman. Um, you know, I, I've. I, you know, in high school, I was really into rock and roll, and, mm-hmm. and but in prog rock, yes. Yeah. Uh, 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 I love classical music, mm-hmm. jazz. So, so there are a lot. A lot yeah. of, a lot of uh, influences. Okay. I think Chris Thiele is. is yeah, Nickel is, Creek. And well, Nickel Creek and the Punch Brothers. Yeah, uh, Chris Thiele is Chris Thiele a wizard is, on that thing. Is, is, is amazing. He's he's. Uh, otherworldly
0: yeah I've, I've seen videos on youtube of him as a little kid sitting around with you know some seasoned older mandolin players and he's just smoking them on the well, mandolin and they're it, it's like blowing their minds it's a really I have cool a Chris video. Thiele
1: story uh so i've i've been fortunate in my life to to um come run across a lot of my musical heroes yeah that's and, so cool and 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 been lucky to to meet them and stuff so uh, If you want to hear the story, Uh, I can tell you. Yes, absolutely. So in 1990, I moved, uh, uh, after I got my Ph.D. from Duke, I did a postdoc at Caltech in Pasadena. So I moved from North Carolina to Pasadena, and I'd been there a few months, and I went to a bluegrass festival in the fall of 1990 called the Fallows Camp Bluegrass Festival. Uh, It's it's up in the uh, mountains outside of L.A., Mm-hmm. It's an old gold mining camp. And they have okay. a, They used to have two festivals a year. This was the fall festival. And I went, because I, I used to do that a lot back in the day, and met up with some friends. I was jamming, and they had a mandolin contest. And so I said, okay, I'm going to enter the mandolin <laughs> contest. And uh, uh, I'd been up all night jamming and, and, yeah. and partying, and I dragged myself up on the stage and played uh, my set. And then I... Went back to my van and crashed, <laughs> and and uh, you know some friends came and knocked on the van a little later and and, and said, hey, hey Jim, you got second place. Nice. And this is the second place in the advanced man. And I said, oh cool. Who won? And I said some nine-year-old kid. <laughs>
2: I said, well, it figures. was it was that F kid, figures. wasn't it?
1: And and then, and then I didn't think about it for years. And then you know just a few years ago, I was reading about Chris Thiele, and what he did was a kid, and he used to go to all these. Uh, bluegrass festivals with ad contests and, and win, win the animal competitions when he was a little kid. And, and then I saw a picture of he was at the very festival because oh I, I wasn't there. I didn't see him play. Sure. So, so <laughs> it, you know, it was him. I, I, I took second place to Chris Seeley. Uh, and, and I, that saw, is actually
0: a really cool story. <laughs> so I, I
1: saw the punch brothers <laughs> two years ago when they played at the state theater in, in Portland and, and Laura, my, my partner, got us VIP tickets so we mm-hmm. could go in before and, and do a Q&A and, yeah. and do a private kind of a show with the band, and, and so I asked him if that was him, and, and he said, yeah, that was probably me. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: that's, yeah. that's a crazy story. Yeah. I was going to say, in the, you know, the early 90s, Chris must have been what? He was nine years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. wow. All right. I was yeah. going to ask if you had any crazy tour stories. So know, I Torah have a plaque stories, on my or... wall.
1: Second place, Advanced <laughs> Mandolin Falls Camp 1990. And, uh, All right. Next to it, I have a picture of the Punch Brothers.
0: That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask if you had any crazy tour stories. But that's and, that's and a good one. And the
1: other one. thing that, that the Punch Brothers said it that when we were talking to him, they said, "Well, that, that's where they, they kind of met up. Gabe Wichter, oh, the, wow. the fiddle player, and uh, and and Chris. And they've been playing together since they were kids.
2: Yeah.
0: Man." small world yeah <laughs> that's crazy um well that's that's cool uh any any final thoughts any other things that you want to that you want to say anything um any you know website links or shout outs you want to do we'll stick every, all this in the description of the video um where people can grab the cd and
1: so so ban from Eden, you go on the web we have ban from Eden.com is our okay.
0: website
1: we're also on facebook you can look awesome. us up um uh, Another band I've played with uh, for a number of years here is the Blake Rosso Band. We've actually played here on stage oh, at the cool. Criterion. We opened up for uh, um, Ghost of Paul Revere a couple times. Nice. Uh, and we had our own CD release, I think, two years ago. Okay. Uh, well, we'll, we'll link that I, too so people can check it yeah, out. Yeah. And the Blake Rosso Band has a website. We're we're kind of on hiatus right now. Sure. Everyone's doing different things. Uh, yeah. Brittany Parker's in that band, and she, you know, B Parks. Oh yeah, Hornets is her band, but she, and she's down in Rockland. But uh, you know, the COVID kind of
0: yeah, made, it's made it really tough.
1: It so, it it is so making it tough. We don't really have anything happening right now with the Blake Oswego band. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully in the future things are gonna
0: yeah, better. yeah we can hope so. We can hope so. We we we're we're really wanting to to you know start booking for some twenty twenty one stuff. But again, nobody really knows what's going on. So yeah, a lot of uncertainty. Yep, strange times we're living in. Very stressful. It is. It is. Yes. <laughs> Yes, anything we can do to mitigate that would be, would be good. Yeah. So, Jim, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to dip out for a second, okay. have you play a few songs, and uh, really glad to have you here.
1: Thanks, Taylor. Thanks.
2: All right, here we go. Ode
1: to a Sea Lily.
2: When you came into this world, you turned mine upside down. A princess of a girl, I saw you crowned. looking in
1: Dystopia Blues. This is my newest effort.
2: Living in dystopia We all must be insane The aids of biopia have built a world of pain Facing catastrophe, alive with
1: sunshine
2: <laughs> woke up this morning feeling fine mm-hmm. Grooving on the bird song and sunshine mm-hmm. breathing in the air now i'm leaving all my weary cares behind The world keeps on turning, I'll just try to keep learning and be kind.
3: Hi everybody and welcome back to The View from 32 Criterion Theater's webcast. We think it's going swimmingly, how about you? I'm Chuck and I'm here to uh, bring another segment of poetry to us. And some people might say, why poetry? Well, I would say, why not? Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful written form, and and it's concise, and I think just the act of trying to get down to the right word, and the right meter, and the right intention is just, it, it's just so much a stricter form than, than long form novel, or short story, and I just really, as I explore it, and get deeper and deeper into the world of poetry, because I'll be honest, I'm not I'm not uh, a deep scholar in that. I don't know that I could even claim to be an aficionado. But uh, I do like it. And there are are some that I truly enjoy and keep in my head all the time as words of comfort and words of strength and uh, as a way to express sorrow. And so today I've chosen uh, a, a poem by Rudyard Kipling who many of you maybe must be aware of uh, a prolific novelist, a prolific short story writer, and a prolific poet. Uh, some of his work you probably know is The Jungle Book as a novel. Uh, one of his his real uh, uh, very, very popular short stories was Ganga Din, uh, and it just goes on. He's an extremely prolific gentleman. Um, he, Lived from uh, December of uh, 1865 to January of 1936. So well into his mid-70s when he passed. And um, I thought I would bring you this one. This is definitely one of my favorites of his. It's simply titled, If. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it all on one turn of pitch and toss, and lose and start again at your beginnings, and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, Yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. That's the poem If by Rudyard Kipling. So I want to thank you for joining with me on this little journey. I I really look forward to diving deep. I'm going to go and sort of sketch along with some of the more uh, well-known and some obvious poems perhaps to those who are further along this journey than I. But uh, trust me, I'm going to dig de- very deeply into this world. There, there's just a, an amazing universe of poetry out there and uh, we really hope to bring you to some of that. So I'll take off my reading spectacles because I'm done with them. And I hope to see you all soon. Enjoy our view from 32. Thank you.